Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Well, welcome back to the Leadership Network Podcast, Church Next Division. I'm Dave Rhodes, your host. I'm here with my co-host, Shane Stacy. Glad to have you back, Shane. We missed you on the last one. You were in Italy somewhere, I think, uh, taking your daughter on her senior trip. True story. True story. It feels like that's in the rearview mirror. It was awesome, but glad to be back, man. <clears throat> yeah. So on today's podcast, uh, we're talking about really minding the gap, that gap between our church and our community. And Shane, so many places that we go to, people are always asking us about reaching new families or new people, trying to step into that gap, how we do that. Seems like a pretty big topic that we're addressing today for churches, uh, you know, in the kind of experiences that, that we're seeing churches have around the country. Yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, over time, every church uh, ends up oftentimes becoming inward focused, right? Um, most of our time, most of our energy starts getting focused on our programs are for those who are already reached, those that we've already engaged. And um, suddenly the, the head gets lifted up of saying, is our community... Uh, are we not only engaged with our community, but has it just become scenery to us on our way to church? Yeah. And so how do we how do we really engage? So as we talk about this topic today, really excited to introduce our guest, Ken Thomas and Gabe Norris from Connect Ministries. Hey guys, how are you doing today? It's awesome to be here. I'm doing great. Yeah, these guys have been really uh, founding Connect Ministries since 2006. They've helped over 2,000 churches make more than 500,000 meaningful connections in their community. But more than just ministry leaders, these are lifelong friends for me, Shane. I don't know uh, if you know it or not, but KT here was my, my he coached me as a pastor at Cross Point Staff. So he was my preaching coach uh, for a year as we were trying to really preach to uh, fourth through ninth graders. If you, if you can imagine that, fourth through ninth graders, think maybe the greatest theological exercise you can do as a pastor is to preach to a fourth grader trying to hold their attention. Um, so KT and I go way back to 1995. Um, that was 1997. When I was a camp pastor at Cross Point. I knew Gabe since he was a senior in high school. Him and his uh, brother, I started our first ministry, Wayfair, with his brother, Chad Norris. He was a senior in high school, all-state golfer, hit a nice little draw, 10-yard draw on everything that he hit. Uh, now he hits a nice, big, high-arcing fade. Um, and, you know, really takes it to me on the golf course every time that we're out there. Uh, but Gabe uh, was going to Georgia, going to be a business major and make his mark in the business world. Uh, but really one of the best communicators that I know um, and has really been called to help the church do some things that uh, maybe it's struggling with. So these are our guests today, Shane. They go way back for me. I know you're just getting introduced to them, but really excited to have them on the podcast today. Yeah, it's great to have you guys here. And um, thanks for all the dirt you already gave us on the front end about roads. We're not um, recording. That. We'll release that later um, to the, the Leadership Network family. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. 
So many great communicators came out of your coaching there, mm-hmm. Katie, uh, at Crosspoint. I mean, we just talk about people who, you know, are preaching on lots of different platforms. And really, it goes back to you, right? Well, I don't know about that, Rose. You guys were just great communicators. We just happened to be doing it all at the same time. And God did bring some unbelievable communicators through that ministry. Too many to name today, but it, it had very little to do with me. It had a lot to do with the way God gifted you guys are just all way better at it than I ever was or will be. It's amazing how even our philosophy of ministry came out of that camp world where you get a chance to really put people in a kind of liminal space for a moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. You get to speak a word to them. You get to challenge them in ways that maybe they're not used to. Uh, But I know for, for me as well as you guys, so much of our philosophy of ministry was built in that time. And even before people were talking really about quote unquote discipleship is kind of a hot topic today. You know, we, 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 we just found ourselves in a place where you had to make room for people to stand at your shoulder to learn the way, the ways of Jesus. That's one of the things that uh, KT and I noticed that's um, that was so special to us in those formative years. We had each other. We were in that room together. We needed each other. We were bouncing ideas off of each other. We were speaking into each other, just helping shepherd each other along the way. And so many of the pastors that we hang out with today as we meet with churches all across the country, most of senior level staff don't have that type of community around them. So they end up leading in a very lonely position. They seem very detached from the people that they lead and the people they lead feel detached from them. And uh, even when we just come up with messages, KT and I often say to each other, can you imagine every week coming up with this by yourself and not having a community in which to, to, to do these types of things alongside of? So, it, it goes all the way back to the 90s, just like you said. I'm, I'm grateful that even today, all these years later, it's still part of our rhythm. You know, but, I think about that, those early days, and it was really in that context of camp that you have referred to and how it impacted our philosophy. It was in those, those early days where, personally, I began to have a burden for the local church. I had grown up in church, became a Christian when I was 10 years old. Uh, my father was a minister, but... Something about being at camp and seeing churches really try hard to um, to minister to young children and even middle schoolers at the same time, which was a challenge, but a lot of fun. I, I take it all the way back to there. And I realized, you know, I, I could serve alongside the local church the rest of my life. I, I didn't know how to say it at the time, but I really do think those were pivotal, really pivotal years. And, and in, in a really real way, camp gives young leaders a chance to to uh, experience things that they may not experience doing other things during their summer months. Yeah, well, for, for our audience, just so everyone knows, you know, these guys, what I love about them most, yeah, they're helping lots of different churches, but everything they're talking about, they exemplify on their team. They've got a young team, a lot of Gen Zers on their team uh, that the church is having a lot hard time even reaching. You guys are helping them emerge as leaders and sending them out uh, in the things that you're doing. Uh, the culture that you're creating, the things that you talk about that we're going to get into today are things that really set your culture apart. And everyone who comes into your culture, 
just feels the contagious nature of what it's like to be around you guys. So I just want everyone to know the things we're going to talk about today are things that are being lived out. They're being lived out even in Athens, Georgia. So these guys went back. They were their University of Georgia Bulldogs decided they could put their ministry anywhere. They're going to put it in Athens, Georgia. I remember Nathaniel saying, can anything good come out of Israel? That's what it feels like. Can anything good come out of Athens? Well, yeah, Connect Ministries is there and they're helping churches around the country. Um, so with that said, today we're talking about this gap between the church and its community. And lots of research has been done around this whole thing, just talking about how wide this gap is getting. And, you know, some people are saying, hey, we're making too big a deal about that. It's not that big a deal. But we want you guys to talk about it. what's been your experience as you're helping churches. This has kind of been your focus of ministry. Are we overestimating this gap? I mean, is it all just a big hoopla to sell more books and things like that? Or is, or is this thing actually getting wider? And is it really a, an important fo- focal point for the church? Well, I don't think we're over exaggerating it. And I believe when you when we get out in the community, open up our eyes, we can see that the community around us is moving on without us as a church. Uh, George Barner's done a great bit of research. His his company's done a great bit of research, as well as others who actually put some real hard numbers to this. Uh, One that sticks out and Gabe has some that sticks out to him, one that just gets my attention. Uh, as I get older, is that hey, they've they they've been able to prove hey, every generation alive today is on the decline when it comes to church attendance. So what does that mean? Every 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 generation alive today is on the decline when it comes to church attendance. Well, we could say, well, that's just overstated. Okay, well, let's assume that it's true, and that that continues for the next one hundred years. Of course, I won't live to see that day. But I feel a sense of responsibility to at least spend my years here trying my very best with God's help to see that somewhat change, to see a small tick towards the positive. And uh, I can choose to ignore it and just say, well, that's just overstated. Or I could say, well, the numbers actually support that. Maybe, just maybe, I should give my attention as a minister of the gospel to do something about it rather than just say, yeah, that's just some made up uh, philosophy to sell another book. You know, we can reel off all the stats, and I'm sure everybody listening has read their own, but they, they, they tell us that if we keep doing church the way that we're currently doing it, that in the year 2050, there's going to be half as many people coming to church as there were in the year 1990. And we see this all the time as we meet with churches across the country. you got churches thinking about what's our sermon series, what curriculum are we choosing, what programs are we going to do, all these things that are inside the four walls of the church, when in reality... The unchurched world, they could not care less what program, what, what's on the calendar, what the sermon series is, even what's on your Facebook or, or Instagram or Twitter. They're not watching. So um, meanwhile, you go to ballparks that are jam-packed, full of families. Uh, you meet with all these travel ball people that are spending $10,000 a trip on softball and baseball and soccer and and you can name all the other things that families are doing. They're just not even thinking about. They say that one of five of these up and coming young parents re- raising young kids are even thinking about um, the local church. 80% of these families don't even have it on their radar, prioritize it. And so it seems to be that the things that a lot of church leaders are thinking about is not actually what unchurched people are thinking about. And so we just start to see this gap get 
wider and wider and wider along the way. KT and I experienced this um, when we were part of a church plant. And I know we don't have time in today's uh, podcast to talk all about that, but essentially we knew as a church plant, we had only been a part of like big box churches. I grew up in a big um, Baptist church. KT was a part of a big Baptist church growing up. And here we were as a part of a church plant. And we were burdened about this reality. If we don't get outside of the small walls of this church plant, it's going to be the same group of us 20 years from now as there are right now. So then we realized, wait a second, this isn't just a church planning problem. Well-established churches have just as much struggle getting outside their walls as church plants do. Secondly, we actually did get outside of our walls in that church plant. We did a big honking three-on-three basketball tournament in a movie theater parking lot, only to realize that that big community event that was intended for our church to reach a lot of unchurched people, it looked more like a sixth-grade dance than it did an effective community event. And that's because you had all of us church people wearing these beautiful volunteer shirts on this side of the parking lot and 1,500 unchurched people on this side of the parking lot. So we realize not only do churches struggle to get outside their four, four walls, but even when they do, secondly, they don't, they don't know how to truly engage an unchurched family in a way that doesn't make the unchurched family feel duped. And so there's a very hard time building something that's meaningful uh, building bridges that are meaningful between the church and unchurched that would make that unchurched family say, we need to take a step towards being a part of this local body. Wow. Yeah, you I mean, guys are I, naming. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Dave. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you're, you're, I mean, there's, I've got, you know, hundred questions I want to ask, but you're naming and, and putting, you know, in technicolor, you know, the gap and the reality of what the gap really looks like and things. Um, anytime any of us are solving any problem, the questions you start with, um, often will determine where you end up. If you, I mean, just even as we get, you know, start thinking about this, if we're, um, what, what are some of the questions that you would say any church who's going, man, we want to, yeah, we need to be engaging our community. We want to engage our community. Like what are the questions they need to start with if they're even going to get to, you know, start bridging that gap, that's going to get them in a healthy and good place of truly engaging their community. A couple of questions that you can ask is, is start with your budget. Look at your budget and see where are you spending your money? Um, is the majority of your money spent on things that are being programmed inside the walls of your church and just hoping that somebody's going to decide to ride by and stop? Uh, you know, uh, yes, we have to do what we do inside the walls of our church with excellence. That's not to be a question because if they do come, it's got to be done very well. It's got to be remarkable. But I think there's often an imbalance. Hey, we want to reach our community but can we do it for $500? Uh, can we do it for just a little bit? Can we do it with just a volunteer staff? Can we do And the reality is, where are you spending your money? And the second question I would ask is, and how are you spending your time? Um, is, is your team focused? Is there synergy on your church staff around this burden to get outside of your walls? And if so, look at their time and determine how much of their time is spent actually engaging the community and how much of our time is spent in actually training the people in our church to engage their community? Because it's not a staff issue, it's a church issue. And it can't be solved by just seven, five, three, 20 staff members embracing it. They've got to then take it beyond that. So I'd start with those two questions uh, if I was talking with the church staff today. KT mentioned the word burden. 
I would, I would, if I was leading a church staff right now, and obviously yeah. KT and I are not on a church staff, but we're in a thousand churches. We're all right. in all of their staff meetings. Even this week alone, I mean, we've been in staff meetings all week long with churches. And I would want to ask them, what are you burdened about? Like, what can't you stand as a church staff? I was with one church staff this week and I didn't do it, but it was, it crossed my mind to do it. I almost, I almost wanted to hand out an index card to all this whole room full of church staff. And I wanted to ask the room, what is the mission of this church? Hmm. Because I got the feeling that I was meeting with like seven different staffs Hmm. in one room. And I bet if we had done that exercise, there's no telling how many responses we would have gotten that were not aligned around what are we about as a church? Mm-hmm. What, what breaks your heart? What can't you stand? That, that is one major reason churches are ineffective at meeting unchurched families. And then KT and I die laughing when we hang out with churches because after we want to find out what they're burdened about, we want to ask them, what's your strategy to do something about that? Mm-hmm. You have a strategy that effectively helps your church do something about the burden that God has broken your heart about. And you guys uh, probably have seen it, but it's amazing how often people answer their strategy question with a, with a response like, you know, brother, we're just loving God and loving people, man. That's what we're about here. We're we don't to- ever hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about every day. KT and I are like, man, that's a that's a really good heartbeat, but no wonder you're not reaching unchurched people. That because that's that's not a strategy, and that will never that will never um, put you on a path that has clear action plans to help you actually carry out and shrink the gap between the church and yeah. the unchurched. Yeah, that, I mean that right that came right out of our conversation yesterday with we were with a bunch of teams, and um, just to what you're you're naming. We just asked them, hey, lay out your strategy. We just had them all draw it out separately as a team and and then present it and, and then, you know, give some, you know, give some observations. And a high percentage of them said, our observation is, oh shoot, we don't have a strategy. Like we all have a different idea even of what we're trying to accomplish and how we're going about, you know, accomplishing it. Y'all, we, probably, we have, get, y'all probably get this question a lot. Uh, churches will ask us. Should, should we do this or that or, yeah. or should we do uh, connect right. camps or should we do VBS or should we go to an overnight children's camp? And uh, our first question back to them is simply, well, tell us what your strategy is. And we can help you answer that question. We know what uh, app to put in, right? And, and that, that, you know, while the, by creating a strategy is hard work, you guys know this, it answers so many questions and it creates such great alignment on teams yeah. that they can actually see God do a great work through great alignment. But as we've identified, it's sometimes not always all over the board. And yeah. uh, so, you know, we just got to try to help them get aligned around what their real burden is. And then creating that strategy then becomes a great tool to help them make decisions moving forward.
Yeah. yeah. I mean, our, our experience has been mo- most churches have lofty ideals that they talk as their strategy, and then they have what we call a menu rather than a map. So the experience is like going to the Cheesecake Factory where you've got like just pages and pages of stuff. You have no, you're so overwhelmed, you have no idea what to do. Definitely don't have a map. And and from that map, really aligning their, their ministry priorities and really, you know, really executing on those in, in a healthy way. I want to go back to something, though, for a second. I mean, we could talk strategy for a lot. We, we do a lot of yeah. that. You guys do a lot of that too. I can't get out of my head the image of the sixth grade dance because that is, I mean, that is such yeah. a great image for uh, oftentimes the church re- church's relationship with their community, standing on two opposite ends of things, you know, and the church has a desire to reach the community, but it's just awkward. Like it's just really, really awkward. And part of that, I think maybe is because we haven't put ourselves in the shoes of people who aren't even thinking about church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just assume that, you know, they should be orienting toward us. But if COVID and life after COVID has told us anything, it's like any initiation from that end is, is pretty much gone. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to have to, we're going to have to mine the gap. We're going to have to bridge the gap. And it means some retooling for us as church leaders as lay people, uh, because oftentimes this is new territory um, that we're not used to having to walk into. We think that uh, one of the reasons this sixth grade dance picture exists uh, is is because most churches we hang out with don't really have a culture of building life-giving relationships. Hmm. They don't have this internal built-in desire to connect people to people. And um, it's very often very common that um, unchurched people, even if they were to take up this invitation to come to church, it's very common for an unchurched person to show up at church and never get connected to one single person. And um, it's very possible to come and just be an anonymous person in the room to leave and never be engaged in any life-giving relationship. An unchurched dad's just not going to put himself in that position. He's, he or she, the, the husband or wife or family member, they're, they're doing their life all week long. They're not going to come to a place that feels draining to them relationally. And then another thing that we that we see that creates that sixth grade dance separation is um, people are looking for a remarkable experience. And by remarkable, we're not talking about lights and smoke and, and fireworks and um, huge bands and all these swanky stuff. We're just talking about things that leave a mark on people. People are drawn towards remarkable. And quite often, in from an unchurched family's perspective, they don't associate church with remarkable. Mm-hmm. And so because they don't, there leaves this skepticism inside the life of an unchurched family. That church will not add any value to my life. Um and so why would we why would we even put ourselves in this awkward scenario where we know there's not going to be a life-giving relationship and it's probably not going to seem remarkable in any way in such a way that would have us leave and go remark about what just took place. And so that's a burden that we could carry with us. Yeah, going back to relationships and and helping churches understand the importance of building life-giving relationships. We saw this firsthand in the church plant there in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, Rolling Hills Community Church. And, you know, Jeff Simmons, the pastor there, really modeled this early on in those days of when a new face was seen or uh, showed up at church or at an event we were doing. 
Jeff was unbelievable at finding people who had a common interest and connected them with somebody who had a common interest. It might be, hey, this person showed up and they actually play golf. Before you know it, Jeff was introducing them to somebody who played golf who already know, knew, I need to invite them to play golf with me the next week. It wasn't, I need to invite them to my small group. Uh, it was inviting them to play golf. All of a sudden, they got to know them. And then before you know it, you look up and they're actually in a small group with somebody who likes to play golf. And now there's a, a relationship that is formed with someone who loves the Lord and one who has either been far away from the Lord or, or is coming back to the Lord or never knew the Lord at, at all. And uh, we saw how connecting people to people with like interest really made a major difference in the early growth of a, of a church plan. The absence of that creates that sixth grade dance concept that I think we can all relate to, maybe seen, maybe been a part of at some point in our life. It's crazy uh, that even though we're, we're not restaurant workers, it's just crazy how much Chick-fil-A has modeled for us what it would look like to create a culture of anticipating the needs of a guest. And it's, it's interesting how often churches don't do that. Churches typically don't empathize with the guests. They don't think about what it's like to be in the shoes of a guest. Uh, even, even on the campsite, we do camps across the country and we help churches get outside their walls by doing a camp locally in their town. And I can think of one church and this seems so simple, but it was a big breakthrough for them. They said, you know what? Parents are going to be here, not for, not for nine hours today for this camp. They're going to be here for four minutes in the morning. And they said, what if we created a parent zone and let's just let them know nonverbally that we knew they were coming. Let's not act awkward. Let's not uh, create distance between us. Let's, let's offer orange juice, coffee, maybe a chicken biscuit, maybe, um, maybe a donut. And let's just have a meeting. That's remarkable. That, that didn't cost them a lot of money. That wasn't expensive. That didn't take a huge committee to put together. It was just a small touch that, that nonverbally let that family. They actually made me feel like they knew I was going to be here. I feel welcomed here. I'm actually interested now. And in where, where else are there other moms like this? Where can my family get around more people like this? And that seems like a no-duh, but it's just not very common in today's church. And so we're seeing more and more churches begin as they work with Connect to start thinking in small ways like that over time. You know, Gabe, you made me think about a church that shared with me something. I saw it. They did this uh, this summer at Connect Camps. They uh, were they knew that what every parent, whether they go to church or not, they knew that every parent loves to see um, their a picture of their child. They want to see their child having fun at camp. <clears throat> and so what they did was. Uh, they created a little QR code and said, scan this and we'll send, we'll, we'll update it with pictures of the children at camp. Well, that was fun. But then another church went to a different level and they actually had different ladies that had volunteered to actually meet moms here at this parent zone, write down the mom's number and said, I'm going to be here all day. I'll text you pictures of your child and I'll take them throughout the day. And now through their technology that they all had in their hand, and in their pocket or in their purse, they were able to just establish a relationship. About 40% of those moms weren't a part of that church or a church in their community. And now somebody a part of that church was actually building a relationship because they were just giving them what that mom wanted, anticipated. They probably want to see a picture of their child. Let's put a mom in charge of giving a picture to a mom and let's see what happens. And now they can follow up and say, hey, by the way, you want to go grab coffee sometime or you want to 
uh, join us for this or that. And it created a real unique, meaningful relationship that actually brought this sixth grade dance together. I love it. I mean, um, just shameless plug real quick for Connect Camps, because I know we're talking about the assessment today that you guys are, are helping with church teams. But I love even even your philosophy on reinterpreting camps. So many times we think about taking our students away for camp, for camp. We think about taking our kids away from camp. You guys are actually equipping churches to run camp uh, where they're at for their community. Uh, because everyone has the problem of what am I going to do with my kids during the summer, right? And not everyone can ship them off to a, a you know stay away camp kind of thing. You guys are actually helping churches step into that 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 need um, and really using it as an opportunity and a gateway to bridge that divide that we're talking about. Uh, so that's shameless plug for Connect Camps. If you want to know more about that, uh, go to Connect Ministries um, and their website. We'll get all the information to you um, underneath the podcast stuff, and we'll, we'll plug it at the end. Today, though, I do want to focus in. You guys have a new assessment out for churches. Uh, you wrote an article for us that came out yeah. a couple months ago where you kind of laid out the four big elements that churches need to think about to uh, really bridge this gap. Talk us to, to us real quick. Review those elements for us. You've already mentioned several of them today in regard to life-giving relationships and a plan and things like that. Talk us just a little bit more about those things. And then tell us about the assessment that you have that we can make available to churches and how you guys are using that to actually help church teams uh, bridge this gap. All, all over these years of Connect Ministries, and now we're about to celebrate our 17th birthday, we We've always provided resources where our team goes to a community and we do a big three-on-three tournament or we do a 5K race or we do a half marathon or we do a camp. And what we've learned over time is that's something Connect loves to offer churches. It certainly is helpful. But after working with thousands of churches, what we've realized is you don't always need another event to do or another resource like that. We've learned sometimes you just need to have the right logic. You need to think like the type of church that's highly effective at meeting new people. And so KT and I, we watched a lot of churches um, not do this well, skin their knees, and we watched some churches be really effective at it. And so we started asking after working with so many thousands of churches and helping them meet so many hundreds of thousands of new people, what are the four things that the churches that are really good at it? whether they're in the inner city or whether they're in the West Coast or the East Coast or anywhere in between suburbs, any denomination, what are the four things that are common denominators that the churches that are highly effective at it, what what are the four things that they're doing? And maybe what would be better than the newest curriculum or the latest idea or the newest program, maybe the best thing would just be learning to think like that. And so we said, what if we could start with an assessment that would help you measure your effectiveness at all four of those ingredients. And so we worked really hard with a lot of people that have done tremendous amounts of research to create a very, 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 very thorough assessment that you can do individually as a staffer, as a church staffer, or collectively with your entire church staff. And after completing this assessment, we send about a 35, yeah. 30, 30 or 35 page report helping you unpack what we've discovered through your answers in the assessment. Right. It really starts with a quiz. To put it real practical, just say, 
here's a one question quiz that will help us know kind of what you're thinking, where you are. And then you can take it just by yourself as a church staff member, as a church leader, and just assess it from your perspective. It comes back to you in about a 25, 30 page report that pulls all your data together kind of in logarithms and puts it out there so that it's easy to digest. And then at that point, we're available to help coach people through that um, through that report, or they may just choose to look at it on their own. Either way, that's fine. But for some, they decided to go a little bit deeper, and we provide a 360, is what we call it, a 360 assessment that allows you to let your church staff do it, let maybe a, um, a, a group from your church body do it. Maybe it's uh, visitors or maybe it's church members. And then uh, it could be your governance board, whether that's elders or deacons or whoever that might be. Uh, they could take it as well. And then you take all of that data and put it together and it begins to identify those strengths and weaknesses and helps clearly pave the path for us to help churches create a great strategy to meet new people in their community. And so um, that's the kind of the way it works. So there's different levels that someone could, could participate in. Um, they could choose to take the assessment or the 360 and, and, and really diagnose themselves. It's, it's that thorough of material, or we could walk alongside them if that's something that would be helpful for them to implement into their church. We've, we've, we've never met a church that just flat out said, nah, we, we don't really care to meet new people. That's not something we're interested in. Don't really want to assimilate them into our church. That's never the issue. Mainly, mostly the issue is more like, you know, we, we desperately want to meet new people. We just don't know where to start. And this assessment is a great way of saying, you know, we're doing these things actually pretty well. We've got some areas of opportunity right here. And now we can begin building a plan uh, over the season to come to actually see progress in one or more of the ingredients that we lay out. Right. Give, give us the four ingredients in case they didn't read the article. Give us the four ingredients that you guys are assessing okay. and, then you know, how you're helping them. So there's four. One is um, essentially building a life-giving relationship as a culture of your church. How are we doing at building life-giving relationships? Secondly, creating remarkable experiences. We're going to do things, whether they're big or small, in such a way that it leaves a mark on people and they want to go remark about it when they get done with it. Third, execute a clear plan. Hardly ever do we meet a church that has a plan that they can articulate in a way that their whole team is aligned around. It's probably one of the biggest opportunities that we see with churches, probably where we probably spend the, the majority of our time with churches is just having a clear plan that's that's birthed in a deep burden and mission with a clear, compelling vision and a strategy to know how to get from here to there. And then fourthly, the fourth ingredient, if you want to be effective, being a church that meets new people is enjoying deep friendship with God. A lot of times we find unchurched people that would be interested in the church, but when they got to the church, the church seemed just as stale or just as anxious or just as dry as everybody else mm -hmm. that they meet in their life. And we want to help churches build a culture of fresh wind that's blown from the Holy Spirit to, um, to blow through their church so that they are enjoying what God is teaching them and they're in fellowship with other people that are doing the same. And the person of Christ is at the center of what they're doing in such a way that uh, people from the outside would say, wow, there is truly something different about what God's doing in these people's hearts on the inside. And it's transforming the ways that they're living on the outside. We definitely want to be a part of that. So 
Those are our four ingredients. We want to help churches measure how they're doing on each of those and help them build an action plan for how to make progress in each of those four ways. So what is not, okay, it's, it's not a performance review document. It's not a leadership gift document. It's really built after literally hundreds of conversations with churches and what we've seen surface to the top of those churches that are doing it really, really well. And so uh, we've been really encouraged by the feedback and the way it's been able to help churches at this point. And uh, so uh, it, it's, like I said, it comes from a, a great place of helping people see their strengths, really leveraging those strengths, and then identifying those blind spots and building a plan to turn those blind spots into strengths so that they can really see the growth that they all want to see in their, in their, in their community and in their church. Thanks, guys. Well, Shane, maybe one more quick question. I'll give you the last question if you got one more quick one for these guys. And I want to tell everyone, uh, let them tell everyone how to get a hold of them. Yeah. Want to go further into this conversation? Well, I, I love just um, now that you went through this assessment, you've told us a couple of stories already, but I would just love to hear it's this church that you like, you know, if that was the church name, but just church that you, you know, that you worked with recently, took the assessment things and where they started and just what you're seeing, like just paint us a picture of the the new effectiveness that they're they're beginning to engage in. <clears throat> well, I'll, I'll share a story about Pastor Joe. Pastor Joe was about three years into a, uh, a church, and it was a smaller church, and it was in a, a, a part of the community that was really changing around him. And he looked across his congregation and saw just a tremendous amount of diversity. And mm-hmm. instead of that, uh, scaring him off he decided that he was going to embrace it he wanted to he felt called there wanted to be there but he didn't know where to start and he felt like things that he was talking about was quite different than what his church body was talking about and they really were looking at the same picture from different angles Hmm. and y'all know that that can create tremendous conflict and, and uh and confusion he contacted us we walked him through he took the assessment himself first we talked him through it. He said, hey, I want our, our elders to take this. I want our church body to take it, and we'll put the data together. And what it gave him was a common language to talk with his church about, hey, you guys see it this way, and I see it that way, and I think if we can do this and do that. And it took a lot of attention out of the conversations because now everybody felt heard, and they began to create a plan. And then they were able to organize a group who were going to address some of those blind spots that they all could agree on. Now, there were still some places where there was disagreement. They started on the places they agreed on and began to build some trust and see some progress as they were, as they really felt a burden to see this once thriving church begin to turn into a church that was reaching their community in the way that their community looked. So we were really excited to see how they're doing now. And we still stay in contact with Pastor Joe. And uh, he, he would say that gave them a common language to really build a plan they could t- they could go and approach their community with. I, I think that the COVID era impacted all of us in, in a lot of different ways. Um, I think I think um, I think for church leaders and pastors, one of the ways it affected them is they they just didn't feel like they were winning anymore. Mm-hmm. They just they lost a sense of momentum just can't underestimate the power of momentum in the life of a leader, in this case, a pastor. And, and uh, so many pastors just felt like they lost a lot of that. And they started having to celebrate wins that felt like losses to them. 
Mm-hmm. And so when, when, uh, when a church like the one KT just described works with Connect, uh, we just noticed that it just, it lets them feel like they have an advocate now, somebody that's right there with them, not to just take this cookie cutter approach and apply it to their setting. What, what we know about what they're saying is that it's personalized for them mm-hmm. and it's built for them. And it's helping us focus on them. And they're able to align their team around this action plan. And what we're starting to see is it's giving churches a sense of, you know what? In some ways, we're winning again. And it's not a manufactured sense of winning. We're actually making progress. We're we're seeing the lost be found. And we're seeing the found uh, have a chance to connect with older believers who can help grow them up in the life of this church and it's been exciting to see um, pastors just have a change of heart and a sense of uh, confidence that they've gained from uh, having a group like Connect just be able to stand beside them for this season uh, in the ways that they are with this assessment. Love it. And one of the things we say all the time is progress trumps, trumps perfection every day of the week. And so we're not talking about silver bullets. We're not talking about everything's going to be perfect. but. Yeah about making progress and doing things better than you did yesterday and, and um, really making those ga- those gaps smaller than they were yesterday. Yeah. So tell us real quick, how can people get a hold of you guys to take their next step? What's the best way for them to do that? And then we'll sign off for the day. Well, the best way would be to go to our website, connect-ministries.com. That, that would guide you to it if you're interested in the assessment. At the same time, uh, you can email Gabe or myself. It's, our emails are listed there on the website, and uh, that would get the process started as a as a quick next step uh, to just learn more information. Uh, also, you can go to Connect Camps, our website there with Connect Camps, and that will also lead you towards uh, uh, contacting us and getting more information of how we could begin to work together and help help your church in whatever you may be walking through. All right. So that's connect-ministries.com. Invite you to go there. And uh, thanks everyone for tuning in on this episode of the Leadership Network podcast. Thank you, Gabe and KT, for being here today. Appreciate the conversation and know this is one that lots of churches are dying to have. So thank you guys so much. And thank you guys for listening along. And we look forward to seeing you on another Leadership Network podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.